A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, journalist and author Sam Baker. This week's podcast comes to you from a cupboard at the BBC. Not the usual hangout of one of the UK's most experienced female broadcasters. When she's not recording her Radio 2 show, Jo Wiley is more usually found in a field, or a garden, in a lake, or doing a triathlon. Lunatic. Running doesn't make me feel much better, but swimming certainly. If, I, if I'm feeling a bit miserable or a bit stressed, if I get in the water, I just, I feel like a different person. I feel like I've gone in some kind of, I don't know, like a magic spell's happening or something. I feel, literally feel my head clear. Above the sound of central London traffic noise, Joe shares some valuable advice on regaining your confidence after a career crisis, learning not to care too much what other people think, and why age-appropriate can do one. Oh, and there may or may not be a pay-on to Monty Don. Who knew? Feels a bit weird to have brought my stupid little portable mic to a room full of recording equipment, but never mind. And it feels even weirder to be interviewing someone who's been broadcasting for their entire career. Be gentle with me, Joe. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'll be gentle with you if you're gentle with me. Oh, all right then. <laughs> Let's start with your, your stellar 30-year broadcasting career because that's what we're here for we're here to celebrate amazing women doing amazing things okay post 40 (laughs) yeah it's amazing that it's I've been doing it for this long it's a really long time it is funny now because I'm interviewing bands and I'm able to say well I interviewed you 20 years ago and they were babies when I interviewed them obviously I was a slightly older baby but it's you were still I was still I was still a baby yeah yeah but yeah 30 years it's quite something do you feel like you've grown up with them with the bands, um, yeah, there's a whole generation that I do, and it's lovely that we're still in the business, still making careers in either musical broadcasting. So people like from the Britpop era, when I when I see 
Damon or Noel or uh, Jarvis or someone like that. It's it's just lovely that we're with survivors <laughs> that we're still <laughs> doing something. And there's a there's a kind of a, a nice familiarity and a good relationship now. Whereas when thirty years ago I was interviewing them or twenty years ago, it was just different. Now there's more of a respect I think between each other. Do you think that might be to do with age and just being a bit more pleasant? Not you, them. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Because everyone had lots of attitude in the, the Britpop days in particular. Yeah. And so everyone was being a bit chippy and I was, you know, I'm not massively self-confident, so I'm sure I was quite an anxious and nervous interviewer. Whereas now I've kind of, now I'm more confident and I can hold my own. So uh, Damon is always an interesting person to interview. And I actually really quite like interviewing him now. And last time I did it, he... He just went, oh, we've had some battles, haven't we, over the years? <laughs> I was like, I love the fact that you recognise that we've had some really tricky times together, but now we can be honest about it and it's lovely and there's a real kind of mutual affection. Do you feel like you have more confidence now when you're interviewing or, you know, whether it's somebody new who's, I don't know, I hate to say this, but the age of one of your children or one of those guys or women yeah. that you've interviewed loads of times, do you feel more confident in, your, in yourself? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends what mood I'm in. I feel more confident just because I've done so many hundreds of interviews over the years and I know what makes a good interview. So I know how to make someone feel at ease. I know what I want to get out of them. So I've stopped trying quite so hard, I think. Yeah. You know, when I listen back to interviews that I was doing, you can tell we're in central London, oh, yeah. the sirens it's around. Right. It's atmosphere, it's fine. Yeah, when I listen back to the early interviews that I did and you just... Oh my God, it's just so cringy. It's awful because I'm just li- reading a list mm. of questions. Whereas now I'm like, you know what? The most important thing we do in an interview is to listen to the person who's talking to you. So yeah, I'm, I definitely have more confidence. Maybe I research it more now. Maybe I've got more time and I understand the whole process, the whole exchange that you have. So I definitely feel like, especially from interviewing and, and live interviewing and interviewing on stage, I definitely feel that I used to be, oh, I need to be this person. This is the person I need to be. Things need to happen in a certain formal way. And it was only really when I kind of decided that, actually, I'm just going to be me. And, you know, if I lose my train of thought like I did then, I'm just going to say so. Yeah. You know, and I'm just going to make it a chat and see how it goes. And when I stopped trying to be someone else and accepted that this was me and this was how I did it, it, it kind of went a lot more smoothly. I think really. podcasts have played their part in that because they're much more genuine and honest interviews, mm-hmm. aren't they? And they can be really expansive and people make mistakes and it's more of a natural conversation. And that's kind of turned the interview on its head, I think. And I've learned certainly from listening to other people doing podcasts. But you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it's, it's the most important thing in the world is just to be honest. And also I realised that back in the day, I would be a nervous. I'd be a little bit... Um, not subservient, but it, it would. I felt very much like I was the interviewer and they were the star. And oh, yeah. so it, there was just that imbalance, whereas now I'm aware that they're really nervous. All these people that you interview, you know, they've either had really busy days, so they're absolutely exhausted, or they're very nervous because they're live on the radio. And the most important thing that you can do is make someone feel at ease, make them feel comfortable, and then you've won you've completely won if you do that if you if you just are calm and just say to people just don't worry just just be yourself then you will get the finest conversation the best conversation out of people and so I really enjoy the whole interview process now because it is just getting to know somebody getting to hear their stories because you got into DJing and broadcasting through music didn't you so interviewing 
presumably was not the first thing that got you into the business. It was the thing that came after. Oh, God, yeah, because I, I, I never knew what I wanted to do. This was never a plan. I never um, had any idea that you can have a career in broadcasting. I used to love radio, but I was just a music fan. So I ended up, I did languages when I was at college, and then I ended up going to help out on a radio show at Radio Sussex. Um, and then I did a radio journalism course, but all I ever did was sit in a studio and do play records back to back <laughs> so yeah you're absolutely right it was it was just always always about the music uh, but then I started to work for Radio 4 my first proper job was oh, working really? for Radio 4 yeah it, it's and schools radio and we did a lot of things we did a lot of social issues a lot of art and culture um, so I saw people like John Humphreys I worked with him and Nikki Campbell in that real early days of infancy and I watched them doing interviews and then I started to do interviews as well so probably my most favorite thing in the world is actually interviewing people and that came from, from then, way, way, way back. Who's the person you've most loved interviewing? Oh, God, it's so hard to say. I think it was about 18 months ago, two years ago, maybe. I did a feature on my show and it was National Treasures. So we'd get mm. icons in and just talk to them for a really long time and ask them to choose songs. And we had Monty Don and we had Joanna Lumley and they were just so fascinating. And I loved those interviews. Both of those stand out. I mean, Joanna Lumley has a story for anything. You know, she has so yeah. many different anecdotes. And Monty was incredibly open about um, the battles with depression that he's had and how gardening means so much to him and also music. He was really passionate about music. So they, they're two standout memories, I think, of just having a proper in-depth chat with somebody where I really felt like they revealed themselves. Yeah, in a way, it's, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about podcasts, really, because it's that is more almost more of a podcast thing, isn't it? The kind of in-depth chat rather than mm. the, here's the interview. We've got to do it as a more of a formal broadcast. Mm. You know, when, you, when I was at Radio 1, that's all it could ever be. The links could only ever be about three or four minutes, and then it was a song, and then it was three or four minutes, and then it was an, uh, yeah. a live performance. So everything was very compact and very stunted, so you could never, ever get deep down and personal which is what I always want to do oh, it's really interesting that you know Monty Don made such an impression you were a big gardener aren't you I love I love my gardening yeah I was probably the most nervous interviewing him than I have been of anybody because <laughs> he was he's yeah he's like an icon he really is a gardening icon Ga yeah gardening icon yeah he's a he's a very wise man so I was I was properly shaking before he came in the studio and then he was he was lovely it was he was almost a case of not wanting to meet your heroes because I didn't want him to disappoint me and he didn't at all but it still feels a bit strange now when I if I go to Chelsea or if I go to a garden show and he'll call over and he'll be like Joe hi and we'll have a chat and I just keep thinking oh my god this is and this sounds ridiculous but oh it's god it's Monty Don and he knows my name and you know much more than anybody in the music industry I love that I love that you didn't say Bowie, or yeah, you know, it's like Monty Tan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done. I did Chelsea and um, Hampton Court, and yeah, the past couple of years I've kind of branched into uh, gardening, TV gardening, which is quite funny, quite random. I did do Bowie. I did interview Bowie, and that was a moment as well. I forgot about yeah. that. Bowie, Lumley, Monty yeah. Don. When did you get into gardening? I think just I've always I've always really liked it. My my granddad used to garden a lot, so I've got loads of really lovely memories of pottering around the garden. He'd got a tiny garden, but he had a, a greenhouse, so he used to grow tomatoes. So I've got that memory, and I love my granddad so much. And then my mum was always a keen gardener as well, and it's just you know where, wherever I've lived, I've developed the, the place. When we had a place in London, we just had pots everywhere, and then the gardens have kind of got a bit bigger. And I've just I don't know, it's just a place I I go to to escape. I think it's it's quite a therapeutic place. One of your sanity savers. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah, yeah. God, yesterday it was um, 
the sun actually came out and I started doing a bit of pruning and it just felt so good to be touching something like the earth and just nature. It felt really, really good. And I was feeling quite stressed yesterday. So um, it's, it's just a great antidote, just being outside. When you garden, do you garden in silence or do you do everything to a soundtrack? No, I, I silence. I like silence a lot. You know, even in the house sometimes I suddenly look up and I'm like, oh my God, I've got, there is nothing going on in the house. I should have a radio on or something, but I don't I quite like just, just the peace and tranquility. So in the garden, I'll take out Jeremy Vine with me. I, I've got like a Robert's <laughs> radio. Him there. <laughs> that was me saying that, not Joe. Joe did not say that about Jeremy Vine. No. Um, yeah, because he's always on in uh, kind of around May time. There's always, or there have been elections and it's always fascinating. So I always associate May, spring, gardening, Jeremy Vine. They kind of go together, <laughs> me and the borders, Jeremy and the radio. <laughs> My mind is boggling. <laughs> um, no, but, but gardening is a massive passion. My best Christmas presents this year were like some... Japanese shears that I got and I was couldn't have been happier <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a whole like two sides of you there's kind of rock and roll Joe and then there's pruning Joe but it's yeah I'm not I, yeah I don't think I am rock and roll I've obviously I, I, I've worked in music all my life and I've been to some gigs and I've um had that whole side but the bigger side of me is not the rock and roll what is rock and roll anyway it's a funny expression isn't it yeah it's kind of a weird generic that doesn't mean anything no how has the music industry changed during the time you've been working in it? Because you went into it late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, yeah, no, it would have been early 90s, yeah. Oh, my God, but, you know, beyond all recognition, it's in terms of technology, just the whole culture, it's so different. I think in the past couple of years in particular, it's off the scale, you know, the whole radio has changed mm. so much. So it's quite weird. I think we're very lucky being at Radio 2 and doing the job I do that there are still people my age <laughs> who yeah. love music, thank God. There's just so much music around at the moment that I just, I'm not familiar with. I actually, I, for the first time, I think I genuinely feel quite old and there's a whole really? culture going on that I'm, I'm not a part of. And up until, say, three or four years ago, I felt like I was always kind of, you know, on top of what was going on. Mm. But now there's just so much choice and I still like discovering new artists, but, but it's very, very different. Do you feel the pressure to keep on top of that or are you kind of like, actually, I'm fine with where I am now, this is... You know, yeah, I think I'll leave I think that's someone else. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think my saving grace is being at Radio Two, so <laughs> having work, working with people who are similar age to myself. Yeah, just accepting with grace that, of course, there should be a whole youth culture that I know mm. nothing about. You know, my Coco, my daughter's eleven, and she just watches everything on YouTube, and she yeah. knows she knows about lots of different music, but it's it's all through YouTube, and that's a massive revolution. I think when we'll sit in the living room and I'll, I'll suggest that she puts the TV on, and she has no interest in watching the TV. You know, we've got a massive screen. She'd much rather look at this little tiny gadget in her mm. hand and watch a tiny box and watch a video there or someone on TikTok. Yeah, it's, it's TikTok. beyond me. Yeah, TikTok is beyond me. I feel yeah. like it's such an old granny whenever anybody mentions TikTok. Yeah, totally. So, so hands up. I'm just like, you know, I know my place. I I love the music I play. I love music. Six music plays. That's 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 what I know. Yeah. <laughs> when you were starting out, was there a sense a bit that you were like the only girl in the village, or probably in hindsight, yeah. Um, but I didn't really think about that at the time. I've always been quite laddish, I think, just in term, even when I was at school, I always wore boots and I wasn't just wasn't girly at all. And so just working in the, in the music industry, 
it's just how it was. I was always, I always hung out with boys all the time, going to gigs with boys, and it just felt like an extension of that. But being at Radio One, there was you know hardly any female DJs. You'd had Annie, who was my hero, mm. Annie Nightingale, uh, Janice Long, who I think was fired because she had a child, like a baby. There was a God huge I, v- I vaguely remember yeah yeah I mean I don't know the exact facts but I do remember that Janice was at Radio 1 and then she had a baby and then she wasn't and it was like seriously can these two things be linked mm. and then Jackie Brambles I think Emma Freud was on Radio 2 but there was you know Radio 1 there was hardly anybody there and within the music industry you had people like Louise <laughs> it was always the first name of the band Louise from Sleeper there was Skin from Skunk and yes. Nancy Justine yeah. from Elastica um, yeah they didn't have surnames no no, no one had surnames. But again, we were all quite wary of each other. That goes back to what we were saying earlier on, how now I've seen and interviewed these people and it's so lovely to be able to say, God, do you remember that time when we spoke and we were both kind of a bit off with each other? I was just really nervous and we were both coming from the same place and now it's really nice having a proper grown-up conversation and being honest with each other. I think as well those Britpop girls, they were scary. I mean, like they were cool and you wanted to, kind of wanted to be them a bit, but if... I don't know. I, I, they scared me. They were quite fierce. Yeah. They really, yeah, they were quite fierce and slightly edgy to interview. And so I always felt a little bit intimidated. But I think they were, they were quite intimidated themselves. So it was like a defence mechanism. So they, they were having to come at it from quite a fierce um, stand mm-hmm. themselves. What do you think it's like now for young women coming in to the music bit of broadcasting. I think it's quite a healthy place and I think it's getting healthy. I mean, there's, there are, it's, it's just so radically different to when I entered into it. There are lots and lots of opportunities and lots of support for each other, I think. So it, it seems like it's a good place. You've got BBC Introducing, I think, is a great opportunity for girls to get into broadcasting. Six Music, Radio 2 is improving, Radio 1 has got lots of people, lots of girls working there. So I you know, I think there are many opportunities. I think it's changed a lot. And just that support is, is great. Everyone's looking out for each other and supporting each other. That moment in 2018 was a real shift in your career when you moved to your slot now, your 7 to 9 p.m. slot. And it's almost like, how do I put it? Listening to you now on the, the 7 to 9 slot, it's like, this is who I am. How did you... You've spoken... Um, spoken before in the press about how uh you took a bit of a your confidence took a bit of a battering when you had that brief drive to yeah that year with simon yeah Yeah, that year with simon and how how did you get your confidence but how did that feel to go through that and at that point in your career so early 50s when you'd achieved so much it was a weird time because i was offered the opportunity was really really keen to stretch myself and to become a better broadcaster and to have different opportunities and prove myself and so it was really it was such an exciting um, prospect to be doing that show and it was it was a tough show it's three hours I think too long <laughs> um, a show genuinely there was so much that we were striving to do um, do you normally do two hours yeah yeah most a, a lot of shows are two Ken is two and a half I think um, Jeremy's two hours so so a three hour show was a long time and it was trying to do too much it was going from well, when were we on I think it was five till eight so you were trying to be kind of newsy and informative and do interviews and then trying to move into more of a music kind of um, based show towards the end of it it was just trying to do too many things you're going through a big transition in people's day aren't you mm. you're going from leaving work if you're lucky at <laughs> five through that commute home through almost to sofa time yeah 
yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was you know almost an impossible task. Um, but it was really exciting. And when I was asked to do it, I just thought, yeah, fantastic. This is what I really wanted to show and stretch myself as a presenter. This is a you know, perfect opportunity. Um, but I was feeling the effects of being my age. I had that hideous brain fog, which unless you experience mm. it, I think it's it's so hard. It's very it's so intangible. It's just that awful thing of trying to remember stuff and it just kind of fading away from your brain and you try yes. and get hold of it and trying to bring the thought back into your head to articulate it. And you can't. And it's not something that people tell you about Mary Mary Penipples. Mary Penipples. Yeah, that thing. People tell you about the sweats and all that stuff. But nobody says there will be this moment when you think you're going completely mad. Yeah, yeah. I've never had sweats, but I was aware that I did think at times that I was um, losing my mind. And, you know, it kept going backwards and forwards to various doctors and professionals and just going, I just don't feel quite right, you know. And, And I'd read so much about HRT and had the fear about it just thinking cancer links shouldn't try it but then when I was off the drive time show I thought I'm gonna have to do something about this because I don't think I'll be able to cope with it myself because it's very demanding so I started HRT um, in preparation for doing the drive time show because I professionally thought I ought to and it actually really did work it that is the the most marked benefit of taking HRT is just having more clarity in my head Mm. and being able to speak yeah, when I used to have PMT, I'd have about two days and I'd do radio shows and I just would say the most, like the words would just come out in the wrong order yes, and, yeah, yeah. or they wouldn't be there. And it was just embarrassing, really embarrassing. So I started HRT before I did drive and it really helped, really, really did help. But what didn't help was the bashing and the uh, lack of success of the show and um, the scrutiny. It was That was not good for my confidence at all. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, because there's... That thing of wanting to do a really, really great job and being aware mm. that a show is not being successful. And that's a horrible, horrible thing. Speaking of somebody like yourself, who's just always wanted to put out the best quality of work. Yeah. And you define yourself, for better or worse, by knowing that you're good at a thing. Like you're a good broadcaster, you're a popular broadcaster, or you produce magazines that sell like yeah. I did. Oh, you know, you're good at putting out features that people read and go, oh my God, that's exactly what I think. And it's taken away, <laughs> yeah. almost. Yeah, I didn't always feel proud of the shows that we were putting out. And that was a horrible, horrible feeling. It was not something I was familiar with at all. I was always normally really proud of stuff. So, But then also there was like this whole social media thing going on with people being very angry that I'd come in and destroyed this show, which felt a little bit unfair. Because you were a woman as well. There was quite a lot of that, wasn't there? Yeah, do you remember there used to be a time when they didn't think that women had very nice voices and shouldn't be allowed on the radio? I mean, I that was, gen- that. oh my Is God, yeah, yeah. A thing? Yeah, that was genuinely a thing many years ago. Um, oh, too high pitched and hard yeah, to Yeah, yeah, to. yeah, exactly, oh, yeah, exactly. Too grating. <laughs> so, yeah, so get it, getting flack for, for ruining a successful show, as some people thought, and then not being happy with it myself. My confidence definitely started to wobble. It would be on Fridays, and we'd get a phone call from the press office, and Steve would turn, my husband, Disco Steve, would turn to me and be like, Hey, we're not going to get the papers this weekend. We're just going to, uh, we just we just don't need to see the papers. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to grab his arm and go, what's in the paper? What are they doing? And, oh, you know, God. for a series of weeks, there was a story knocking the show, knocking me, knocking Simon. Every, Every week. weekend, oh, it was just oh. relentless, relentless. It was really horrible. And so you just wanted to hide away. And 
you know, I didn't, I live in a tiny, tiny town. I just couldn't face going to get a cup of coffee and sitting there because I knew I'd be looking at everybody reading the papers thinking, oh God, they're reading that story about me. I mean, it must be horrendous if you do some terrible thing and there's a scandal and you're in the papers constantly. I just can't conceive of how those people live. It must be awful. Unless you've been exposed to it either on social media or in the press, people have any comprehension no, it's of hard. how it feels. Because it just feels like, you know, certainly social media, I mean, people, you know, there are loads of people, believe it or not, who don't use social media and they just don't get it. No. I don't get why it would be so debilitating, but it, 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 it is. Yeah. Because it chips I away at it. I wonder if it's changed now because so many, because a lot more people have spoken out against it and the whole thing of trolling people, people are a lot more transparent about it or whether I'm just not in the eye of the storm at the moment. So it doesn't feel... Because I don't feel like I care now. You know, if people start mm. being really, really vicious, I know that they there is just one person in a room somewhere miles away. They don't represent millions and millions of people, which you just get out of perspective at the time. Mm. You just completely get things out of perspective and you think that they're that everybody hates you. And it's that's just not the case. <laughs> Even if they're not people you know or care about, it mm. still feels weird, doesn't it? it just, yeah, it's just, it's such a bizarre and horrible culture. Somebody said to me recently that they think the worst time, somebody who had a, an absolute hammering on social media, so they think the first time is terrible, but then after that you almost don't notice. It's almost like mm. you do get a bit of a... I'm putting my hand in front of my face, uh, kind of a shield almost. You're kind of like, oh, that again. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I don't really want to find out. If that's no, no, true, me neither. But... No. At the moment, I feel good. I feel very much removed from social media. And I don't think that I would care quite so much. But who, God, who knows? And who knows, yeah, yeah, really, really do not want to go through that ever again. <laughs> Thank no. you very much. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How did you kind of rebuild your confidence? Because you you seem very much a Joe to me. I definitely forgot how to speak. At times I'd open my mouth during that time and I wouldn't know what voice to speak in. And that 
just felt very odd because I've been doing it for 20 years. I remember when I went to Radio 2, and I think everyone that comes from Radio 1 to Radio 2 will say this, you sit behind the microphone and like everything just feels a little bit more old-fashioned and a little bit grander than the place that you've come from. And so you, you start to speak and you speak in quite a posh voice because you think that's how you should speak. Is that your grown-up voice? Yeah, I guess <laughs> it is. And then after a while of being on Radio 2, you just go, oh, actually, I'm just going to be myself. But I, I think I started speaking weird, different voice when I was doing drive time. So I remember doing the first show back, um, 7 till 9, and it was just like, just waves of relief just crashing around. It was just such a wonderful feeling. It just felt like putting on, you know, the, the softest, comfiest jogging bottoms and the best knackered old pair of trainers and a comfy cardigan. Everything felt right and normal and natural. Yeah, it was just a relief. <laughs> just, just, I just felt like, oh, no, I do know how to do this. It's OK. Totally do. Do you like TV or radio best? Radio's lovely it's so intimate it you have such a connection with with lots of people i know people talk about um how you sometimes think you're talking to just one person but you're not really mm. i think you do have that awareness you're talking to lots of people but it just i love it and, and broadcasting at night time it's in that evening it's yeah it's just got a very relaxed feel about it and i think it suits me it suits what i'm like as a person you mentioned disco steve just now you, yeah next year you and disco steve have been married 30 years really how Haven't did that you? happen? Yeah. <laughs> it That's probably crazy, is. Isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That's what old people get to those kind of oh ages. I don't know how that happens. And you've got four kids and India is 27 and Coco is 11 and the Julie yeah. and Cass are in between. Yeah, 20, 21 and 18. Does yeah. that feel crazy? Yeah, it that? does. Yeah, it feels really crazy. This year has been a big year of change because Cass is the 18 year old has gone off to uni so now it's just me Steve and Coco at home a lot of the time the others will come back and kind of yeah. so the house just feels cavernous and it's it's a horrible feeling it's a really horrible feeling it's horrible for for Steve because I'm away in the evening so he's at home and has it's just him and Coco in the house and it's horrible for her because you know she's used to having these big brothers and sister around all the time so yeah, suddenly it's weird. just yeah it's I've not enjoyed it <laughs> I'm not enjoying it very much at all so it's what they would have you know back in the day have called empty nest syndrome yeah I talked to so many people who have that feeling it's bizarre because we we will talk about our feelings so much now and everyone's so honest and yeah and says how we feel and you just think god our mothers and their grandmothers have all gone through this and it's I think it's one of the toughest things that you go through and the menopause knocks you for six and then the kids are leaving it's so strange it just leaves you literally thinking I I'm not entirely sure what I'm here for anymore. It's weird that they just used to get on with it stoically, whereas now we just bleat about it and go, oh, I feel really bad. (laughs) So it hasn't been freeing. You haven't kind of felt like, oh, great, I haven't got four kids to get to school. Initially, you feel like you don't have so many, you know, you're not driving around constantly, but then you also wonder what to do with yourself which is probably why I do so much sport and and just find things to do. It's, um, yeah, no, I don't think it is freeing. It's a, it's a a bit sad, really. Oh, you are like the fittest person I know. And I do know other fit people. It's not I was going to say, I'm not the fittest person, no, you, you are, know. You are. Well, the most enthusiastically fit then. When did that start? It started, I can tell you very much when it started. I was asked to do the Great North Run to do a half marathon. And I'm genuinely, I'm not a runner at all. When I was at school, I was useless, absolutely useless and hated cross country. Oh my God, complete hell oh, and the purple knees of cross country. mottled yeah the mottled <laughs> thigh oh. but I did swim like you I used to swim competitively so I've always done the swimming bit so I was asked to do the great north run and I ended up being talked into it and and there's no way you can do a half marathon without training so I roped in a local runner who I paid to take me out running and then I persuaded India my daughter to come and do it with me because I didn't want to do it on my own and, and that was brilliant that's that's been so lovely 
learning to run with her. So we did that. We just kind of embarked on this big crash course in running. We did the half marathon and it was just an amazing experience. It was really, really bonding for the two of us. And then Steve joined in and it all snowballed from there on. And because I used to swim, then I'd started to run. I just thought I'd give triathlons a go. It's just keep life interesting, really. (laughs) I think that's why I do it. Is there a certain amount of of sanity saving as well in the running and the swimming and the... Yeah, increase it. Running doesn't make me feel much better, but swimming certainly. If I if I'm feeling a bit miserable or a bit stressed, if I get in the water, I just I feel like a different person. I feel like I've gone in some kind of I don't know, like a magic spell's happening or something. I feel literally feel my head clear, and my mood lift and everything feels a lot mm. better from swimming. It's you. You must be the same when you get in the water. There's something about being in the water. I I don't get in the water very often because of my stupid hair. Yeah. I mean, I'm like like you. I used to swim in my early teens. Better swimming. I stopped. It was like 15. Boys, exams, hair, all of that. Starting yeah. to worry about makeup and how I looked and everything. And something I had to give, and it was the swimming, which is nuts, isn't it? Yeah. So I was really interested when I saw on your Instagram that you were back swimming. Yeah. Because it, I think that there's a lot of synergy between 15 and 50. And I feel like I'm getting back some of the positive things about being that age. Yeah, you really inspired me to think, oh, I should get swimming back. Do you have a local pool or what do you do? Do you know, I I feel like a bit of a cliche because I thought I was doing all this. I was just discovering everything myself and doing like tough mudders and then the half marathon and the triathlon and then I started doing open water swimming last year because of the triathlon and then it just becomes this massive movement and you just go god I'm such a cliche everybody else is doing it as well how does this happen what what is going on that makes everybody maybe it's people our age just wanting more out of life and so just investigating every different option that they possibly can yeah and not wanting to get old and decrepit yes it probably is yeah Yeah. it's just refusing to accept your age and wanting your body still to function I definitely feel and a lot of people I've spoken to it is a lot about strength Mm. it's like it's when you kind of get out of bed that terrible thing I mean it's kind of a joke but that terrible thing when you get out of bed and you have to stop yourself going oh because you've because your back hurts I'm too young for this I know I know I keep looking at people and just thinking do you hurt do you hurt all the time do you hurt all the time because I hurt all the time like my joints hurt all the time Mm. my back my knees everything and I just I just think I must have some terrible affliction that it's not my age but it probably is my age horrible thing but the fit the all of the exercise helps it's got to help yeah Yeah, I'm like nodding frantically yes no no help I do I feel I feel really fit at the moment because I'm training for uh, for a thing that's coming up. But the open water swimming is the best thing that I've discovered over the last 18 months or so because of the feeling it gives you when you get out of the water. It's just like, it's obviously just a massive rush, rush of endorphins or whatever it is, mm. adrenaline. I think it's just so lovely being in a. I, I go to a quarry, which sounds horrible, but it's it's really really beautiful and peaceful calm no music nothing at all and I do it with a bunch of women who are similar ages to myself who've had different experiences actually Steve comes along as well it's just that team thing it's just like random people who don't have that much in common with each other but you're there together doing a thing whether it's your swimming or you know extending that onto doing a triathlon and I just love that friendship and the camaraderie and the egging each other on and watching people you know go over the finishing line doing a triathlon knowing how hard it was to for them to do it it's just been it's been the greatest thing you're addicted now, aren't you? I think I probably am, but I wouldn't do it if I hadn't. But you have to sign up <laughs> to something yeah. to make yourself do it because I, I wouldn't just go along on my own. I have to know that I'm going on this date to do this thing, so therefore I have to train. Yeah, I recommend it. Kind of external impetus that make, makes it happen. Yeah, you should definitely try 
get a big massive swimming hat and put your hair in it oh and do God. some open water swimming. <laughs> like that terrible. There was um, some pictures of the Coronation Street cast in the I saw. 70s on social yeah. media. And they had those big swimming hats with the big flowers. Yeah. Do you remember those that you, were real? Yeah, that's what you need. You'd look great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> it's about time they made a comeback, actually, those hats. I... Yeah, we can start a trend. <laughs> you can lead the way. Oh, They're God, so funny. I think I'd rather be a follower than a leader on that front. Um, the on the subject of fashion, that is not in any way the subject of fashion. Let's talk about it. Not that you weren't always cool. Of course you were always Careful cool, what you don't. say. Yeah, um, it, but in the last five or six years, I feel like you've got really fashion cool. I think it's because I've had stylists working with me in the past, so you kind of... In the beginning, you're utterly clueless and you wear, you make so many terrible fashion mistakes. And then you get people going along going, oh, try this, you'll look really good in it. And you protest initially and then you go, oh, actually, you know, maybe it does suit me. So you just get more daring. And then I think about three or four years ago, I just started to find boutiques all over the place. You know, Brighton, um, London, uh, Oxford, various different places that had great labels in that were clothing I thought was really cool for me it, so it just felt like everyone caught up yeah yeah, yeah. I, I still to this day if I go into somewhere like Selfridges or Liberty I go to certain areas that I know I like but I just have panic attack yeah. um, whereas if I go to a small boutique and I know they curate it really well and there are in the last two years I think there have been some really good Scandi brands have come along and they just yes. do really cool dresses really good jumpers you know they're expensive that's the other thing you know honestly mm. I can afford to wear nicer clothes now and um, relatively and yeah. that helps so I'd rather save my money and buy a couple of really nice things and then wear jeans with it or whatever and so I'm, I'm very very lucky to be able to do that and I think that's probably helped me be a little bit more fashion it felt like about about four years ago and it's suddenly your your Glasto outfits got to be a bit of an event you know yeah. so I remember people on social media starting to say where'd you get that dress Joe?" and then that seemed to then become quite self-fulfilling yeah I know it's, it's exciting I quite enjoyed that thing and I do feel like I've got to raise my game every year um, it's just feeling more confident in my own skin I think I feel more comfortable in my own skin I know what suits me I know what I like and I know where to get it from so it's become a lot easier but yeah it's quite it's fun it's fun dressing up I didn't used to think it was fun but now it is it's really interesting that at this point you've kind of found your fashion confidence really got in your fashion groove the point when so many people I speak to are just like oh I'm not quite sure should I wear that am I a bit and the phrase that keeps coming up which I really hate but everybody uses is mutton and it's like oh god don't say that where did you get that so from? derogatory isn't it and or you know just putting yourself down yeah, doing it to yourself you wouldn't say it to someone else so why are you saying it to you, you yeah know? no I think you know it genuinely does not matter what you wear and just the idea that you're wearing stuff that's not age appropriate it's, it's just bollocks, isn't it? It's just complete bollocks. I will always oh, wear ripped jeans and, you know, I'm wearing lycra leggings now. Both India, who's 27, and myself have got the same pair of lycra leggings. And it's just what you wear it with. It's what, you know, how it suits you. I don't mean, I'm never I don't change. think about that age-appropriate thing, do you? I mean, No, 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 not at all, not at all. Yeah, I think my wardrobe is narrowed down, so I've got stuff that I know I like and know that suits me. So I've got quite a few little tiny black dresses, but... I'm not going to worry about not showing my body. I'm not going to, I just don't care. I just don't care. And that is one of the great things that does come with getting older. So you might have all the insecurities and the lack of confidence. But then on the other hand, you've also got this a sense of not caring so much anymore. Because, you know, God, you know, when you're young, you just think that everybody's looking at you and everybody's judging you and tearing apart what you're wearing. And maybe it comes from like 
you and me, we've both gone through getting flack. And when people are attacking you personally and professionally, what you wear is utterly irrelevant. It really doesn't matter at all, at all. Yeah, that's true and I I think it's God I'm nicking this from someone and I can't remember where I'm nicking it from but I read uh, a piece made this really good point she's like it doesn't really matter whether or not you're wearing a bikini on the beach because what you're not seeing is the fact that that woman you know is an award winning scientist or a Mm. you know a doctor or a broadcaster or a journalist or the the kind of the bikini or the swimming costume is irrelevant and I think that feels truer than ever now Mm. yeah on the subject of that you posted a really annoyingly fabulous picture of you in a bikini on your recent holiday. From a distance. From a, yeah, <laughs> from a distance. But it was still fabulous. And then you wrote underneath it something about... I can't remember what you said now. It was about uh, me being the joke of the family, I think. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but you looked great. Do you feel... How is your body image? Do you feel as confident as you look? Funnily enough, on that holiday, I was definitely not in good shape because I haven't... Because I was just eating. I'm rolling my eyes because I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) But if I showed you another photograph that was taken that same day and I'm sitting down and you can see, because I looked at it last night, you can see the rolls of fat on my tummy. Because my tummy has never been my strong point. I've always had a flabby tummy. I know. And I like a croissant and I like cheese, you know. Um, But I looked at the photograph last night and I was like, oh my God, you were sitting on a beach and people were seeing your stomach like that. That is not good. But I know the rest of me is fine. I know that. I know that. But... And I do also work at making sure I look okay because it matters to me because I feel better in my clothes if I mm. feel fit. If I've, my arms are defined, I'm more likely to wear a skimpy dress. So I definitely care how I look and I will work at how I look. Um, and one of the things that I, I get really enraged by, because it's all I think about at the minute, is like the phrase anti-ageing. How do oh. you feel about that? Um... What, in terms of creams and... Yeah, I mean, I spend a bloody fortune on them. I'm not <laughs> going to stop doing that. Just don't call them that. <laughs> I know, I know, because it's ludicrous, because everybody ages. I think the older you get, the more people die around yeah. you. And recently, or not recently, in the last couple of years, we've had friends who've died who are the same age as us or who are ill. And, you know, for everyone that goes, you just think, I am so grateful to be alive. I am so grateful still to have a body that's functioning and not to be ill. So what does it matter if I've got wrinkles and lines and haunches and stuff like that it genuinely genuinely has a really profound effect on you when you lose somebody who's the same age as yourself you just stop caring and you stop being mm. vain you know yeah. I, I, will, I will fight to be fit and strong and to like what I look like but uh, when it comes to apologizing for being the age that I am I'm not going to do that because I'm just really grateful yeah <laughs> you know nice. that's that's what it is yeah. again talk, talking about lack of confidence and when you go through I think the menopause or as you get older whether it's the menopause or whether it's just getting older um, I know that I was really stricken by panic attacks quite often so I started DJing started doing DJ gigs out and I'm really happy sitting behind a microphone in a darkened studio yeah. and actually being on stage with hundreds of people in front of you having You've to perform. You've been doing national tours. I have you? yeah I've got more coming up this year but that has probably been apart from drive time been my biggest challenge ever and oh my god it's terrifying it's really really horrible like literally standing on stage having a full-blown just beam me out of his scotty panic attack it's that's been really unpleasant and there's no answer of how to get through it or what to do you just you just put one foot in front of the other and you put one record on after another and it's over (laughs) but that's that's been quite a challenge over the last year do you have to do any chat or do you literally just play the tracks um no it's the chat that's what i find challenging because you just hello winchester chat you just feel (laughs) ludicrous i did a gig for 
I think it was Pizza Express. This was a couple of years ago now, Pizza Express. And I was playing records and I got on the microphone and I just sort of went, hi, everybody. Um, just want to say Pizza Hut is the best place. And they all started booing me. And I was thinking, what, why, why are they booing me? And of course, I said they're complete rival. Oh, my God. And, I had, and they I hadn't realised they're like next level compared to Pizza Hut yeah, as well. Yeah. So it's, it's the equivalent of a rock band. But yeah, of course, yeah. being being at Glastonbury yeah. and saying hello, Reading. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you don't want to be doing that. No, yeah. no, but I can see now. Now I understand. You do yeah. literally stand side of stage and just go, OK, it's Sunday, where am I right now? Um, so that's that's oh, been a God. big learning curve. Why, why did you... What made you do that? Was it just the, the challenge of doing something new and different? Or? Yeah, and I think because there's lots of people our age who are still really into music, and mm. whereas initially I was very, very nervous about it, I make a point of staying afterwards and saying hello to people doing photographs and all those ludicrous things but I love it because there's a lot of women you know 70% women at the front who just want to talk and mm. they'll talk they'll say oh I've started running because I listened to that I do that couch to 5k thing or I've done a triathlon or um I'm really into my music you know they've, they've all got that they relate to me for you know because we're we're doing the same kind of thing and it's yeah. just so lovely to meet those people and to have a little bonding uh, moment with them and they, they come to the gigs because it's reliving their youth and they're they still want to go out and they still want to have a good time but they can't because life gets in the way and they've got kids or you know whatever jobs to do so I've actually start you know I now get quite a lot out of it actually which yeah. I hadn't expected at all at all no, it's it's so interesting, isn't it? Because the women that I've been like, I set up this email group for while I was writing the book, and you know, I just email out questions, and they, you know, different ones respond to different things, and that's just some like reply if you want, don't if you don't. But the chat, I love the chat. Mm. You know, we don't know each other face to face, but we know bits and different things about each other's lives, and it's 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 really. Um, yeah, I mean, you said bonding. It is bonding, but it's it's also just yeah, it just makes you feel better about your own life as well, yeah. about your own decisions. Yeah, no, it's really it's really life enhancing. Female friendships over the last mm. few years. I mean, they've always been really important to me, and I've got a lot of friends that I used to go to uni with. But but recently, just local people that I've got friendly with, you know, like local vets, headmistress, whatever, and we. Yeah, it's just nice to have those conversations when we have parties like three o'clock in the morning just to be able to share and offload. And it, you know, talking about swimming saving your sanity, actually, those friendships and those conversations save your sanity as well because you need to have someone to offload to. And, you know, not everybody wants to go see a therapist, I'm sure therapists are great, no. but actually, friends can yeah. be therapy as well. Well, just knowing that someone else is in the, in the same yeah. boat or yeah. similar is yeah. half the battle sometimes. Yeah, no, it, yeah. it really, really is, yeah, increasingly. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to ask you before we wind up. I've got uh, just a few little questions to ask that we always ask okay. at the end. First of all, what one thing would you like to say to younger women? It's a cliche. It's just don't don't worry, don't care, <laughs> don't yeah. don't care so much because everything that you worry about right now is not important. And when you're younger, you get things. You just think things are so that they're going to affect the rest of your life, and they absolutely don't. You know, this 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 time will pass. Things will be different, and what you've just gone through, what you're going through right now will have no relevance whatsoever. I think that is one of the best things about being really, really old, is is that. Yeah. Is that you kind of... I look back on some of the things I used to worry about and think, oh, God, yeah. all those hours, you're never going to get back. I know, I know, I know. You feel sad for yourself, don't you, that you mm. spend so much time stressing and worrying about things and put yourself through hell. And 
it was for nothing for nothing yeah. <laughs> really what would your superpower be my superpower would be um i'd like to be able to swim underwater and not to be able to, not to have to breathe like i'd like to be like marine boy yeah. <laughs> there you go. so i could swim anywhere through the oceans and yeah. i wouldn't because you know, i'm no good at sub aqua scuba Oh, that's a really good one I really like that one and who are the older women who you who are inspiration or role models for you Joanna Lumley springs to mind because she's just so I love the fact that she's still incredibly glamorous now and has got so many tales to tell but she's but she also doesn't look 40 or 30 she looks her age but fabulous yeah yeah I was gonna say she's got lines but she wears makeup and she still smokes I did I did a thing with her and Twiggy and Lulu uh, where I interviewed (laughs) them on stage and it was amazing it was so good because they were such fun they were really really having a laugh and they'd lived such amazing lives and they were telling lots of stories but they were still having fun now and um and they they were all excellent women like lulu's going out on tour again now this year um and twig is just really fun and feisty and joan lumley's glamorous and just brilliant um so th- those are three three women i think but then i interviewed i went to South by Southwest last year went to Austin, texas and i interviewed an astronaut and she was I mean, she blew my mind because she was so fearless and knowledgeable there are so many there's too many women out there that are doing amazing things but not getting recognized yeah that's the thing isn't it it's like if we could just get more recognition at, at this yeah. kind of age it's like we're not going anywhere mm. yeah i think it's been really good the those little women books that have come out i've really enjoyed this whole wave of celebrating women with having a small child so having coco who's she was probably about nine when they started to come out. So to be able to educate her about Coco Chanel, obviously, and um, Marie Curie and Frida Kahlo, and to all, all those to be celebrated, and it keeps on going. That's been, that's been brilliant, I think, making them cool. Yeah. And last question of all is, how many fucks do you give? I still probably give too many. I'd like <laughs> to say I don't give a fuck, but actually there are still things that stress me out. But they are probably... They're probably more stupid things about whether I'm happy whether a show has gone well or not so I give give a fuck about whether my show is good but other than that I don't give a fuck about anything else so it's just it's just my job that's all I care about that's brilliant thank you for listening I'd love to hear your feedback you can reach me on twitter at sam baker and instagram at the other sam baker using the hashtag the shift You can hear a new episode of The Shift each week on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate and subscribe, because it really does help other people find us. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com